And this is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, this is the season of the year when we prepare our hearts for the big event that is uh, the birth of Christ, Christmas. And that event is at the center of um, of our faith, right? This this wild proclamation that the creator of all that is actually took on human flesh and showed up as one of us, as a human being born to a woman. And when we talk about Jesus, we always start out by talking about uh, the people who came before Jesus. And in Miriam's song, we've been talking about the women in Jesus's family line. Um, So we talked about Miriam, of course. We talked about Rahab, Tamar. And now this week, we're going to look at the book of Ruth. And I love the book of Ruth. I love the character of Ruth. I love everything about it. Ruth is one of those stories, when I get there, I'm just like, thank God we're going to hear about us now. Um, And then if I'm honest, like, I also like that it's kind of a love story. And I like that part, too. Um, But Ruth is such a compelling protagonist. And that's why I I hate to tell you that today we're actually not going to focus on Ruth. Our text today is about the other woman in the book of Ruth, Naomi. So I'm going to read the text and then we'll, we'll dive in. The text for today says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He was intimate with her. The Lord let her become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, May the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you without a redeemer. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. He will restore your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law, who loves you, has given birth to him. She's better for you than seven sons. So Naomi took the child and held him to her breast, and she became his guardian. The neighborhood women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. A son has been born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He became Jesse's father and David's grandfather. The word of the Lord. So a son has been born to Naomi. That's what they said. So today we're going to look at this woman who's mostly known for being bitter and see what her journey has to say to us. And we're going to find that even when it seems God has abandoned us, We have reason to hope that God will yet provide for us, maybe in unexpected ways, maybe through unexpected people. And that even when we're bitter, we can still be blessed. So Naomi starts out blessed for real, like with the hashtag and everything. Her name means sweet. She starts out married to a wealthy man from a good family. His name is Elimelech, God is king. Isn't that nice? He's like, he's a godly man. They have two successful boys, Malone and Kilion. Naomi's the one people like look at her Instagram and say, oh, she's got it all. And they're also probably like, really? You were in Tulum? Because I'm pretty sure you were just in Iceland. Like, you're... Your kids always look that happy, and your man is never, like, visibly drunk in any of your vacation photos. Do you just, like, have endless money, and you're the best mom ever, and all the things? And Naomi probably puts in the captions, so blessed to be in this beautiful place. Blessed, blessed. It's nice to be blessed. Yeah, yeah. So other women probably talked about Naomi to their daughters, like, 
see if you're really, really good and you tick all the boxes and you're really nice and you're really pretty and you work really hard. You could get married to your own guy like Eli Melech and have your own little Malon and Helion because that husband and those sons aren't just family, you see. As men, the only people with access to capital in Naomi's culture, they're also her food pantry. They're also her bank account. They're also the roof over her head. They're also her insurance and her 401k. So as a woman in an ancient Near Eastern patriarchy, Naomi's economic security can only come from either a husband or a son. So marrying well and bearing sons isn't just about like flexing for Instagram or having fulfilling relationships even. It's about having a promise of survival. So that's why Naomi was blessed. Until the famine hits. There's no food in Bethlehem, but there is... Um, yeah, suddenly there's no food in Bethlehem. So Naomi and her family decide to try their luck over in Moab, which is where, what's now Jordan. And I imagine they're thinking, okay, we can deal with this. We're going to find food. And then Elimelech dies. Okay, well, we can deal with this. She's still got her sons. She is going to survive. We're, this is horrible, but it's going to be okay. Then both boys marry foreign women, unclean women, women who would not have been considered good matches for them back home in Bethlehem. Well, okay, just, just make me some grandbabies, okay? Just, we're gonna, it's gonna be okay, just make some grandbabies. But 10 years go by and there are no grandbabies. Obviously there's some cursed Moabite women with some broken wombs, like, these wombs don't even work. And then the boys die. So Naomi is brokenhearted, yes, but she's also in trouble, like bad. She has not only lost the loves of her life, but she has lost all means of provision for her basic needs. So she has no roof over her head. There's no way to get food. There's no employment opportunities over in Moab. And as a widow, it's not like she can just go out and like pick up a job. She's uh, got no social programs to give her a safety net. She's now at the very bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, how am I going to get food and shelter tonight? So forget about Tulum and Iceland. That's not happening anymore. And to make it even worse, she's also dragging the dead weight of two other widows, her daughters-in-law. And she tells them, go on now and make your own way. I'm going to go home to Bethlehem. I'm going to see if somebody can take me in. That must have been humbling, right? Knowing what people would say. Like, when she had left, her marriage and her fertility and her wealthy, godly husband and her sons, and she had her full insurance plan and her 401k was her options invested and, like, God's favor just all over her. But when she walks back through the gates, everybody's going to know the truth. She's not blessed. She is cursed. They're going to say, I knew all that wasn't real. What does she... What did she do to deserve all that suffering? She must have done something. Must have been something bad. See, that's why I always say, be content with what you have. You know, just be content. She seemed blessed, but obviously she's cursed. So she tells her daughters-in-law, why don't you all just, like, go back home and remarry, okay? And Orpah, the first daughter-in-law, is like, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm out. But Ruth does something really unexpected. She says, I'm going where you go. Your God will be my God. And that's surprising because 
Adonai Elohim is not the God of Ruth's people. And I don't know about you, but if I was going to take up a foreign religion, I'd be looking for one that, like, I don't know, worked. Like, Naomi's not a good ad for the God of Abraham, right? That God just blocked her. Like, what kind of God does that? She's far from her homeland. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She's economically and socially wrecked, not to mention wrecked on a heart level. Think of her like a female version of Job, except um, she's actually a lot worse off than Job because he still had his wife and friends. Naomi has nothing. So why would Ruth bet on Naomi? And why would Ruth bet on Naomi's God? But Ruth follows Naomi all the way back to Bethlehem. And it would have been bad enough for Naomi to show up at the reunion with no grandbabies and dead husband and dead two sons. But to add insult to injury, Naomi is coming back accompanied by a second barren widow who's not exactly from a classy place. Moab was mostly known for being founded by a dude who got drunk and had sex with his two daughters. So there's no filter you can put on this situation to make it look like anything other than what it is. So when she turns up, Back in Bethlehem, Naomi's friends don't recognize her. They say, can this be Naomi? She says, no, don't call me Naomi, she says, which means sweet, the notes tell us, but call me Mara, and the notes say this means bitter. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has returned me empty. Why would you call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has deemed me guilty? Naomi has gone from blessed to bitter. And friends, we too know what it is to feel bitter, right? I know some of us come in weary. Some of us have been carrying burdens we should never have had to bear. Burdens of our own and burdens of our world. Some of us have suffered loss that seems utterly unjust. Some of us have deserved care and provision and not found it. And some of us have had things taken from us that no one had the right to take. Some of us have worn ourselves out doing all the right things and still lost the game. And some of us come in crying, how long, oh God? And some of us come in crying, how could you, God? And some of us come in hardened saying, God, who's that? But Naomi's story is not over. The barley harvest is just starting in Bethlehem, and Ruth goes out to glean. So she's picking up scraps, what's left at the edges of the field. And out of those scraps, she gathers so much that she comes back with six measures of barley. That's 172.8 pounds of barley. That is like Ruth's body weight or more, probably. So that much barley would sustain someone for several months. And so so that Naomi doesn't have to wait to cook and eat the barley, Ruth also brings her back lunch that she got in the field, and she gives that to Naomi so Naomi can have something to eat right now. Has that ever happened to you? That someone shows you so much kindness, it just blows you away. The word for this in Hebrew is chesed, and the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs describes it this way. He says, reciprocal altruism, I do this for you and you do that for me, that's universal among social animals. Chesed is not. In Chesed, God created the universe. In Chesed, we create moments of moral beauty that bring joy and hope where there was darkness and despair. 
in Old English, they translated this word loving kindness. So if you have like a King James version, you'll read this word loving kindness. And sidebar, if you ever read like Jack Kornfield or any of the American Buddhists, they've appropriated this word as the translation of the Sanskrit word metta. So if you hear about like metta meditation, where you send out like, may all beings be well, may I be well, that's actually chesed they're talking about. So that's what Ruth shows to Naomi. It's over and above. It's so much that you could not repay it, uh, even if you wanted to. It's extravagant. It's way beyond obligation. She doesn't just throw down 172.8 pounds of barley, which would be a big deal, and say, like, you're welcome. You're going to make it the next six months, Ma. So um, good luck with that, and bye. Off to seek my prospects. No, she, she brought 172.8 pounds of barley, and she also wrapped up her lunch to go and took that home for Naomi so she could be fed later but also be fed right now. That's how good Ruth is to Naomi. Now, if you grew up in the church, you might already know, it turns out that the owner of the field where Ruth is gleaning is uh, a guy named Boaz, and he's a relative of Elimelech. And that means that Boaz is actually the one person on the planet who has what Naomi needs. He has the ability to redeem her name and her inheritance because he was related to her late husband. In other words, her power and her blessing. This guy Boaz is the one person on the planet who can give that back to her. Um, everything she lost when Elimelech died and when her two sons died. Uh, and how can he do this? It turns out Elimelech had an inheritance and some property. So Naomi can get at that if someone from Elimelech's family will um, like redeem her coupon, basically. And um, until a male relative steps forward and is willing to do that, her coupon is worthless and she's um, looking at no future. So why would Boaz step forward and act as Naomi's male relative to redeem the coupon? Maybe it's because Ruth goes to him and asks him to. She's irresistible, that Ruth. And if you know the story, there's so much fun there about how Ruth goes about that. I wish we could spend more time with Ruth. Um, I'd like to say maybe it's because Boaz was raised right. Maybe he knows from his mama what it is, what it is to take a bold risk on behalf of somebody else because his mama, as you all know, was a sex worker named Rahab, who Pastor Erna told us about a couple weeks ago from a brothel in a town called Jericho. Rahab knew about Chesed. In the middle of an invasion, she jumped on two brothel patrons and said, I'll get you guys out of here alive if you rescue my family. So what kind of son do you think Rahab raised? The text says, then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. So I acknowledge this, not, this language is super patriarchal and we're confronting attacks from a patriarchal culture and we got to meet it on its own terms to hear what it has to say to us. But Rua, what, uh, Boaz buys out Elimelech's property, which means he gets Ruth as part of that package. And by doing that, Ruth and Boaz bring about Naomi's redemption. Instead of being disgraced, Naomi can hold her head up. 
And instead of being cast out, she now belongs to this place. And instead of no one, she's now someone again. And this is loving kindness she could never repay, even if she wanted to. And then the text says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And we, we heard this earlier, but I just want to highlight uh, again where we go with this. So when they came together, the Lord made her conceive. She bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has borne him. That's how good Ruth has been to Naomi. That's how good God has been to Naomi. The women say, the Lord didn't abandon you after all because you've been given a male heir. Through this provision, your life will be restored and you'll be nourished in your old age because Ruth loves you that much. Ruth, who's worth more than seven sons. That's how good she is. Even in this culture where no one is predisposed to celebrate Ruth, they say she's worth more than seven sons. It, then the text says, Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. You know what that means, right? That means she literally breastfed her own grandchild. Like she put that child on her breast and she breastfed him. A barren woman started lactating again. She became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Notice not a son has been born to Ruth. Yes, Ruth is the biological mother, and yes, Ruth is named in the genealogy of Jesus. But here the focus is, a son has been born to Naomi. The breasts that dried up will flow with milk. The cursed woman has been blessed through the extravagant loving kindness of God. The woman who lost everything will be provided for. The woman who named herself bitter will delight again in sweetness. And of course, the son Naomi holds is not just a blessing on her. He's the promise of a blessing that's to come. Through him, Naomi's great-grandson will be David, and then 28 generations later, out of this line, Jesus will be born. The light of the world will shine through the darkness. And God's abundant chesed, God's abundant loving kindness, will pour into a world of injustice and loss and deprivation and not enough in provision that is not just good enough, not just 172.8 pounds of barley and a takeout lunch. No, like Ruth, God goes way farther than obligation could ever take God and goes where only love would go. Signing God's entire self over so that we can be brought out of exile and into home again, the home of life with God. Like Boaz, Jesus steps up and says, he'll stand up and be the kinsman of humanity so that we'll be provided for. You see, like Naomi, we are stuck in a bad situation that we can't get ourselves out of. We don't have the tools to redeem ourselves, to bless ourselves. Maybe you've tried that project. I, I definitely have. But just like Naomi lacked the fundamental credentials to rescue herself, which in her day was a kinsman male heir, human beings lack the fundamental credentials to rescue ourselves, which is we're not God. But Naomi was provided for anyway, and so are we. We're lavishly, abundantly provided for through the loving kindness of God in God's taking on the form of a baby 
like the one Naomi nursed, and through the life and the death and the resurrection of that anointed one, showing us that all the bitter things in the world will be undone. This is the gospel of Naomi. There is good reason to be bitter. And the God of the universe loves us with lavish loving kindness and provides for us still in unseen ways. Naomi's creator was providing for her in fullness, even in the circumstances that were threatening her life. She didn't know it. She was looking in the wrong place. She was looking to Elimelech and Malon and Kilion as her blessing. She thought blessed meant living that Instagram life. She thought blessed meant that big juicy 401k. And she thought when that was gone, that God had blocked her. But it turned out the way God would come through her in Hesed was Ruth, a foreigner from an icky place, a woman with reproductive issues, a widow. And generations later, God provided for all of humanity through taking on human flesh in the form of a little baby descended from Naomi's son. Also a surprising way. Not a mighty warrior, not a king, but an infant. And that same God provides for us even now. The very God who might seem to have blocked us has done an act of staggering loving kindness, giving us a way to be brought near to God through Jesus. In that relationship we're invited into, there are blessings far beyond the treasure we might think we've lost. Riches way beyond what seven sons could provide. May we bring what is bitter in our lives and the life of our world before God in the sure hope that God will bless us in loving kindness, because that is what God does. Amen.